0: We started a new series of, of uh, messages entitled, The Helper is Here. Now, you that were here last Sunday realized who the Helper is. You that wasn't here, let me catch up to date, okay? The Helper is the Holy Spirit that has sent to help us in every situation. In John chapter 14, Verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, the term comforter, he's talking about the Holy Ghost here, but the term comforter means several things. and It it means not only helper, but it means advocate, intercessor, strengthener, uh, in the Greek language it's talked about, the one called alongside the help. So He is our helper. One verse that we didn't get to last Sunday that I wanted to share with you this morning is that the Holy Spirit desires to be and is sent to be a helper in prayer for us. And in Romans chapter uh, 8 verse 26, it said, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now here the term infirmities is not talking about sickness and disease. It's talking about weakness and inabilities. You ever you ever gone to pray and didn't feel like you could pray? Well, I think we all encounter that. But folks, the Holy Spirit is sent to help that inability to pray as we ought to pray because it says, "For for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself, and it should be Himself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, uh, a lot of thought right there. But let me let me tell you this. A lot of folks get nervous when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. They get nervous because of the word Pentecost, and they get nervous because of the word other tongues or unknown tongues now neither one of these things should make us any more nervous than saying Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and I think what happens what has happened and still happens in a lot of places is that there's been a wrong understanding there's been a misconception about what Pentecost really is and I'm not going to get on that right now just tell you just to hold on to that thought because in a few minutes I'm going to talk about that. But then another thing that people get so concerned about is the term speaking in other tongues or in unknown, unknown tongues. And so many times we need to realize that sort of like the old preacher that I heard many years ago say, he's talking about speaking in tongues. He said we, in the church we sing the old hymn, Oh for a thousand tongues to praise Him. And he said, "I got one more, and folks put me down about it." So, so we don't need to be nervous about that. And I think, like I said, there's been a lot of misunderstanding. And maybe not today, but when we get to that part, I can help. We can help us through the Holy Spirit. He's our helper to understand what He's talking about when we talk about other tongues. I believe that we have strong. Doctrinal and scriptural background to stand on when we talk about that. But I want to come back, just leave that alone for a minute, and come back and talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now I told you last Sunday I was going to talk about the person or, or the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The purpose is Him come to be our helper, and I, that I was also going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, which is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We need to realize that He is a, a person. He is anything else. And God has emotions. He is, he is as much God as He is anything else. And God's as much Spirit as He is anything else. And God's as much Jesus. And Jesus is as much God. And, and on and on with that scenario we could go because they're, they're three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is something that we need to get a hold of and understand that the power that you and I need to live our life and be successful and not live on the roller coaster all the time. You know, it's time that we got out of the Six Flags mode. Y'all follow what I'm saying? It's time we got out of that, and I'm not talking about amusement park, I'm talking about that roller coaster thing. And it seemed like all these amusement parks are in contest to see who can build the biggest and the fastest roller coaster. And it seemed like I know Christian people that's trying to live their life to keep up with the roller coasters. Up and down. Up and down. God never intended our life to be a life of ups and downs. Because he said, and John gave prophecy to this out of the book of Malachi, and said that when He comes that He would make our crooked places straight and our rough places smooth, talking about Jesus, and every valley would be exalted, it would be brought up, and every mountain would be brought low. And what that's referencing to is the fact that God desires that our Christian life be just a steady onward incline, moving up to Him, moving up to glory. Not be on the mountaintop today, and in the valley tomorrow, but moving constantly toward Him. Now, we do have difficulties come in life. I wouldn't tell you that no more than I've ever told you that getting saved would solve all your problems. you never have any more difficulties. I would not tell you that allowing the Holy Spirit to completely infill you will solve all your problems and handle all your difficulties. But what I'm telling you is this, brothers and sisters, is the power that we need to live that life is available to you and I today. You say, well, yeah, we have it in the name of Jesus, but when do we use that name of Jesus? See, the Holy Spirit, let me go on. I wasn't going to talk about the power today, okay? But we talk about the purpose and the person and the power, and what I want to add to that is what we want to talk about today is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, it like that we get this attitude, and, and it's in the church today, that the Holy Spirit was something that came like He did on the day of Pentecost, and when we get past that in the book of Acts, then we really don't need Him that way anymore. Let me tell you something, people. I believe we need the Holy Ghost today more than they did in Acts chapter 2. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I know I need the Holy Spirit operating in my life more than I've ever needed Him operating in my life. I don't know of a day that I could get up and say, well, okay, uh, Holy Spirit, you can take off today. I don't need you. But so many times we act that way. We do that way. So I want to talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit. So look with me in Joel chapter 2, Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Joel chapter 2 verse 23 reads this way, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now just a little note here. Rain represents Holy Spirit in a lot of places through the Bible. And we sing songs Holy Spirit Rain Down. And I don't mean just come and live big, big in my life, but it's talking about literal rain. And so he said that he would that a lot of the the rain, the former rain and the latter rain, and it's something that a lot of the the, the leaders in the uh, Pentecostal kind of believing people, believe that we're living in the time now of the latter reign and and that God is desiring to do this work so that, we, so that we can see things come to an end and see the Scripture of God fulfilled. So, and here's something that might be a little bit interesting to you. He said He caused it to come down in the first month. Well, he's talking here in the first month about the Jewish calendar, the Hebrew calendar, that their, their sacred calendar. They had a civil calendar, that, and then they had a sacred calendar. The civil calendar, the natural calendar, beginning September, last September, 1st of October, the 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 sacred calendar, which marks their coming out of Egypt, the Passover, and God said, let this be the first month, is somewhere in, it, it's usually lays between the last of March and the, Uh, and the 1st of May, somewhere during the month of April. So we can say that, and, and one way of speaking, that we're either right at the end of this first month he's talking about here, or we've already moved away from it, and if we have, then we're too late for that. But we're not too late for what God wants to do today, because listen to the promise now. He said that, I'll cause this to come down in the first month, and the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm, and the caterpillar, and the palmerworm. My great army which I sent among you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Now I want you to I want you to notice something here. I believe that there's I believe there's salvation. I believe there's the infilling, the baptism in with the Holy Spirit. I believe that these two things. And let me show you something here. Can, would you follow me just a minute? Listen, he said that I will restore to you. What did he do when you got saved? Didn't he restore some things to you? Didn't he, in that, restore our relationship with Almighty God? But somehow, or another, it, it seemed like that that there's things that have got in and begin to eat away. And to, and to cause our relationship with God to be different than what we want it to be and what God needs it to be. I believe if I were to ask you this morning, if your relationship with God is just exactly this morning everything that you want it to be, I don't believe anybody in this church would raise their hand. I know I would, not I'd have to settle on mine, because my relationship is not where I want it to be. But here's the thing about it. Regardless of what my relationship is today, it can be better before this day is over with. And that's what's so, so wonderful about this. He said, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten and the cankerworm." I, I looked up some of these terms uh, as I was studying. Locust kind, and it's talking about, each one of these is talking about an insect, a locust kind of insect, or, or just a grub. The caterpillar's a grub here that develops into a locust kind of insect. And, and this caterpillar, or this locust, grub rather, that in its early stages are like a lot of them you see today. They, they, they are in the ground and they begin to grow in the ground. And, and you know what they eat as they're growing in the ground? They eat the roots of vegetation. You say, what does that mean? Well, it means simply this that they, some of us has got some locusts that's eating away at the things that you can see. And there's others that's got some caterpillars that they're having to deal with that grub in the ground that's beginning to eat away at the roots of their spiritual life. And folks, God said, I'll, I'll stop that. I'll do away with that. And I'll move it out of the way. Isn't that wonderful news today? To know that the things that Satan has, has so worked against us that God is able and willing and today, this great God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above that we heard about, that He's willing today through His Holy Spirit to restore some things in our life and bring back to us the joy of our salvation. Folks, well, I, I think that people today that, that walk around, and we think, boy, they need some joy of the Holy Ghost. And that's true to a great extent. And I believe there's a lot of people walking around today that just need some joy of their salvation restored to them because they forgot that, they've lost that, and they don't really understand anymore and they, they reach out to get back to that relationship they had with God. And something has eat away at it and, and, and snipped away at it. Folks, I'm here to tell you today that not only can you have the joy of your salvation restored to you, but you can have peace, joy in the Holy Ghost today because of what God has promised. Let me go on now. I didn't think I was going to preach long today, so y'all gonna have to listen fast from this point, all right? <laughs> in verse 28, And it shall come to pass, showing me that there's something, that there's a restoration work. And then he said, and it shall come to pass afterwards, after the, resurrect, uh, the the restoration work, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out of my Spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered or saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said and in the remnant which the Lord shall call. Now, he, listen to what he's saying. He said there's a time of restoration and then there's a time of the Holy Spirit being poured out, a Holy Ghost poured out upon us in these latter times. And then, he said, not only that, but there's a time of destruction. There's a time this earth is going to be judged. There's a time of judgment coming. And, and the signs are going to begin to take place. And we see a lot of this. indicator on even right now. I mean, you know, I, I don't believe that that the weather is an indicator of Jesus coming back tomorrow. But it's strange how that the weather over the last several months and years has gone to the point that it has. And I believe the reason is is because that man's sin is so filling up this earth and this atmosphere that it's getting to where it can't even function properly anymore because of the sin of man. But God said this, right in the middle of this, He said that it shall come to pass afterwards in this time that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. I'll pour out, my, and your sons and your, and your daughters shall prophesy, bringing in the men and the women together to serve and to worship and to be who they need to be before God. And, you, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And, you know, I was thinking about this this week, and I thought, hey, I'm still just a young man, I guess, because I don't know when I've had a dream. I said, old men dream dreams. But I've had some visions lately. Hey, Amen. So I don't know. I, I'm still just a young man, and I, and I know that. And, and so in relation to some others, I know I'm still a young man. But listen to this. John made the promise. I want you to notice God through Joel, the Father, spoke through Joel and made the promise. John came baptizing in the Jordan River, and in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, listen to the promise that he gives us here. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. That's talking about salvation and the work of repentance and salvation. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He shall baptize... Talking about, here's a promise, that Jesus, when He comes, His work is going to be to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In Luke chapter uh, 3, verse 16, And John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now when you take the Gospels and, uh, and you put them together, there's three of them that's called the synoptic gospels, gospels because that means that they're talking about situations that are synonymous with each other. And that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they say some things that John don't in his Gospel. And then John has some things recorded in his gospel that Matthew, Mark and Luke don't. But there's some things that are recorded in each one of them. There's things like the the trial, the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those are in all four of the gospels. And and about prophecies about his second coming. But another thing that's found in all the gospels, here in Matthew 3:11, Luke uh 4 6, uh, of the Holy Spirit. find it also in Mark 1.8 and John 1.31 is concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said in in, in each one of these Gospels, they talk about this. They talk about Jesus being baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now let me just say this to you right here. If the one man that lived on this earth that was perfect before God and got, got a heavenly seal of approval stamped upon him by by the voice that came and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If this man needed to be endued and filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost, then what do we need? So you don't have thanks for that. That's that's food for thought. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life as well. Now, Jesus made the promise. He made the promise that the Holy Spirit was going to come. I read in John chapter 7 how that, that Jesus said, And he had gone to a feast. This was called the Feast of Tabernacles that he had gone to, which was the the Feast of, of Ingathering. And at that feast, in verse 37, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood, cried, and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You say, well, that's talking about salvation. Well, John chapter 4, Jesus is talking about salvation to the woman at the well because he says to her in John chapter 4, he said, Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, it shall, in him shall be springing up a well of life, a well of life. Now, how many of you know there's a difference between a well and a river? There's a big difference. Isn't there? And for that well to become a river, there needs to be something filled in there and poured in with that, so that it can begin to flow. A well is held in by bounds. A river is held in by banks. And a well sits there and waits for you to draw water from it. And we're told that we should go back and draw water from the wells of salvation. Isaiah tells us that. So here we see Jesus saying this: If you believe on me, as the if you believe on me. Now, if, if you just do a little little uh, uh, understanding here, he says, "He that believeth on me." comma whoever believes on me and then he says as the as the scripture hath said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water this is prophesied in the old testament in places that that from us would flow rivers look at ezekiel's prophecy of the last day and he's talking about the river coming out from under from the temple how that it's a river up to the to the ankles and then it's a river up to the knees and then it's a river up to the waist and a river up to the chest and then a river deep enough to swim in which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming. But Jesus said that out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now what's he talking about? Well, it's plainly clear here because in verse 39 he says, See, fake he of the Spirit or of the Holy Ghost which they that believe on him should receive. Should receive. In other words, they couldn't do it right yet. But they should receive the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, it's important that we catch a hold of this, because at the time Jesus said this, if you believe, then you're going to have rivers of living water flowing out from you. But the Holy Spirit had not come yet, but Jesus said that He would come, that He would that He would come upon us. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, just back a few pages from here in John chapter 7. Luke chapter 24, listen to what He said. This is Jesus with the disciples in the upper room just before He went to heaven. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. See, here's another misconception that people have got about this. They think that if I'm going to have the Holy Ghost and I've got to tarry and wait and beg and plead and and all of these kind of things for the Holy Ghost, you know, you didn't have to do that to be saved, did you? I mean, all you had to do to be saved was believe and receive, right? And that's the way this infilling of the Holy Spirit is. You say, now, wait a minute, preacher. I thought we got all of that at one time. No. Listen, folks, the Holy Spirit As we read last week, and as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 12, verse 13, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. But then we read in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, and also indicated in Mark and John, that Jesus shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost. Now, throughout the book of Acts, which is the, the Bible is what we've got to go on, right? There's not, there's not another book that we can go by. Now, we could go by a lot of tradition because a lot of tradition says, man, you get everything when you get saved and there ain't nothing else to get. And you know, that's one reason I see so, pe- so many people so beat up and abused is because somebody promise of the, them in on the power and person and presence and the promise of the Holy Spirit of God and the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us through the Holy Spirit. So we're we're talking about Jesus promising this in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4, the disciples, Jesus had risen and He had been with them, and here the disciples were assembled together. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4, and being assembled together with them, Jesus with the disciples, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, He you have heard of me. John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence, or not many days from now. So he's talking about the promise coming. Well, we know that... uh, he also went ahead and said, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, verse eight, but you shall receive power when the Holy after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So here again, he's talking about an event taking place, something happening, and the Holy Spirit coming and and descending on down and and finding residence with us. If we go back to when Jesus was baptized, John said, I saw the Holy Spirit come down like a dove would come down and, and came upon him and remained. The first person in biblical history that the Holy Spirit ever came and remained upon and We know that he did because Peter in Acts 10, uh, 38 says that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. You get that? He anointed them with Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And you say, well, I got all of that when I was saved, and I want to ask you a question. Why aren't we doing the works that Jesus did? Why aren't we seeing things happen? Why are we not seeing devils cast out? And why are we not seeing people healed and all of these things? Folks, it's because that we have had in the church world today, and I pray not in our church, we have come to ignore the ability and the availability of the Holy Ghost in our lives and our church services and every day that we live here upon this earth. See, the Holy Spirit wants to work in our life not just when we come to church, but He wants to work in your life all the time. He desires that. And that's what He wants. Acts chapter 2, Peter helped us understand about the promise. In Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Now let me, let me stop right here. I told you earlier, a lot of people are afraid, they get nervous about this word Pentecostal. That, that, see, we get the word Pentecostal from Pentecost. Y'all knew that, didn't you? And they get nervous about it because they're afraid that we're going to take out a basket with snakes in it. Now I promise you, <laughs> I promise you, that we're not going to bring out a basket with snakes unless all of those snakes are dead and ready to be buried. All right. <laughs> but there's been some weird things connected with Pentecostal. A lot of women, a lot of women say, "Man, I don't want to. I don't want to get involved in that Pentecostal stuff because I'll have to start wearing my dresses down to my ankles or wearing my hair up in a bun." Well, a lot of good godly women that wore their dresses down to their ankles and their hair up in a bun lived and did God's work. But, folks, that is nothing to do with Pentecost. Let me tell you what Pentecost means, okay? I, I, I believe you can handle this. The word Pentecost comes from a Greek word, Pentecostus. And the word Pentecostus means, the word. The, the root word of that is pente, which means five, like the pentagram is five-sided. And that's what it means. Pentate. Costas means ten times. So, if you take the root word and the suffix and put it together, you've got fifty. You got that? Now, is there anything to be afraid about about fifty? I don't see where there would be. And it's fifty days after the day following the Passover. And the reason God said it 50 days from the day following the Passover is because He wanted it to be 50 days from the time that Christ would be resurrected from the dead. So He was resurrected and He spent 50 days or 40 days with the disciples and they went to Jerusalem and they tarried there 10 days and the term when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that means... That it was the day, it was the morning of that day, and we find out that it was the ninth hour. It was, the, it was somewhere around nine or ten o'clock in the morning when this thing that we call the the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, descended from heaven and came in that upper room. Now, listen to this. In uh, Acts chapter two, the Holy. We, we, I'm not going to deal a whole lot with the Holy Spirit coming and the mighty rushing wind, and the tongues, because that's for another message. But I want to go to verse 16. Peter, preaching then, in the power of the Holy Spirit, standing up, Holy Spirit empowering him, 16, he says this, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Now let me tell you something, folks. We've yet to see all the work that the Holy Spirit can perform. I've yet to see it in my life, and, and we've yet to see it in our church. We've had a lot of good times in our church. I really enjoyed praise and worship this morning, and even though part of our team wasn't here, I enjoyed praise and worship. appreciate Bradley coming in with us today. I enjoyed praise and worship, and it just it blessed me. down. That last song just really had something special in it to me this morning and I'm like old brother Henry Melton was, (laughs) folks if this is not that then this is going to do till that gets here but I believe that we're going to come to a point in time whenever we're going to say this is that which was promised by Joel, God through Joel it was promised by God through John and it was promised through Jesus and here the promise is this is the Holy Spirit being poured out in these last days and in these times, and people opening up and receiving that infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we read on down what Peter said and uh, as we come on down to verse 37, or verse 33 rather. Therefore, being by the right, talking about Jesus, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Holy Ghost, you got that? He has shed forth this which you now see and hear, see and hear what were they hearing well to to come back to that they were hearing them speak in other tongues tongues that they had not learned they were hearing them speak in a heavenly language and and as such a miracle took place that day not only were they speaking in a language that god had given them but all of these people were hearing all of these different things come to them whatever language that they had you say huh oh you know well I think what's happened to us is this. So many times in the church, we've got, we've got instead of having an Acts chapter 2 experience, we're having an Acts chapter 19 experience. Let me tell you what I mean. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came and filled all of those that were in that upper room endued them with power from on high. The promise of the Father. The power that came. In Acts chapter... 19, Paul came into Ephesus and he found some believers there. And listen to what he said. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, he didn't say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you had dinner? He didn't say, you, you, did you receive the Holy Ghost since you watched the latest movie? No. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Listen to their reply. They said, we have not so much as heard that there be a Holy Ghost. And the literal translation of that should read, we have not so much heard that the Holy Ghost was yet given. See, they knew that to, because it goes, he says, what were you baptized? They said, to John's baptism, which is baptism of repentance. They knew from that that there was one coming that would baptize them with the Holy Ghost, but they didn't know that all of that had taken place yet. They didn't know that it happened. They didn't know that was for them. They didn't know that was for their day. And that sounds a whole lot like a church I used to be in years ago. That told me I got everything at one time and there's nothing else you need. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I remember when I lived in South Georgia and, and there was a Church of God uh, husband and wife owned the service station right in the edge of town, brother and sister Sibley, And I would go there nearly every day because it's just such a sweet spirit and sweet atmosphere and and all and I knew and see this was before that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit but I knew that's what they advocated in in this ch- in their their lives and in this church and so one day I said to Sister Stalvey I said Sibley the name of Stalvey I said to Sister Stalvey I said Sister Stalvey when did you get filled with the Holy Ghost she said just this morning I said just this morning she said yes I got filled with the Holy Ghost as a young girl many years ago. She said, but I'd never leave my room in the mornings without being filled with the Holy Ghost again. Folks, this is not something that, that's just a one-time thing. It's like salvation. You walk in it every day. The Holy Spirit's something you walk in every day. But they told me that I got everything I needed and would need in life at one time. I'm going to tell you something. There's been many times that I've come before God and I've said to Him, Lord, fill me with Your Holy Ghost. They got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 4, they got down and prayed. And they said, Father, stretch forth your hand that to heal in the name of your holy child Jesus that signs and wonders may be done. And it says that the place was shaken where they were said and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Again, folks, let me tell you, there's an initial feeling filling, and there's a daily feeling of the Holy Ghost. And this is something we need to, to get a hold of and not be afraid of. People say, well, just go ahead and talk about this for a minute. People say, well, I'm afraid of that tongue stuff. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not going to jerk you up by the hair of the head and all of a sudden start making a language come out of your mouth. Did you know that there is a prayer language that comes, and I may be getting ahead of myself here, but bear with me. There is a prayer language that comes through the baptism and with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that's something for you. It's not, it's not for you to have a show with and, and to put on display and demonstrate. As you, if you'll read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, you'll find that that's a language and a communication between you and God. You say, well, I can talk to Him in English. You sure can. But you know, wouldn't it be a whole lot better if we could talk to God in His language, in a heavenly language, in the language of angels? angels 1 Corinthians 13 talks about tongues of angels. And a heavenly language that's just between me and God. It's not for Bill. It's not for Basil. It's not for Bobby. It's not for anybody else. It's just something sweet and and between me and Almighty God. And we think, but let me, let me, let me, people say, well, you know, a misconception is that He'll just take a hold of you and make you start speaking in tongues. Listen, I don't want that either. Wouldn't it be something? Here I am, meek, mild-mannered pastor, and I'm just a, Walmart shop, minding my own business, you know. All of a sudden the Holy Ghost grabs me up and puts a microphone in my hand and I just start blasting out in tongues all over Walmart. He's not going to do that. That's not what he's about. The Holy Spirit, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is more concerned about the power in you and your overcoming everyday life than He is anything else because He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, that was just for that day. That was just for those in that time. Was it? Let's read on. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked or cut in their hearts, And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent, that's salvation, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus, recognizing that Jesus died for them and rose from the dead. There's been whole denominations built on that one little phrase right there. For the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Is the Holy Ghost. Okay? That's what's important here. This is the Holy. He said, He said, Here's a promise. You believe on the Lord, you repent, you make that known through baptism. I believe water baptism is important for us. Then you shall receive the Holy Ghost in your life. Well, that was just for them in that They needed that in that day. Huh. Okay. They didn't have all the distractions and allurements that you and I have. Right? Now, they had things they had to put up with. But it wasn't just for that day. Here's the promise. For the promise. Verse 39. For the promise. Everybody say the promise. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Folks, that includes me in the promise. That includes me in the promise of the Holy Ghost coming into my life and doing me with power so that when I speak the name of Jesus, things begin to happen. So that when I pick up the Word of God and begin to read it, I'm able to understand what, what the Word of God is saying to me. The power that I need to live to be able to look at the devil in the face and tell him, in the name of Jesus, you have to go. Holy Spirit, folks, this is something that we need in our life in our midst. The promise was not just for the day of Christ when John was baptizing. The promise was not just for Jesus. The promise was not just to these people in the book of Acts, but the promise is for you and I today, the Holy Spirit that reminds you this in First Corinthians chapter twelve verse thirteen. It tells us that for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into the same Spirit. That's talking about salvation. Bringing us in to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. There's another baptism called water baptism. Like I said, I believe that everybody needs to be water baptized. And then there's a baptism that John uh, talked about. is recorded in Matthew chapter 3. And verse 11, when he said, I'm not worthy to do this. I can baptize you unto repentance. But there's one that comes after me who's mightier than me. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We need a baptism of the Spirit of God today. You need to be in the body of Christ. If you're not in the body of Christ, then the Holy Spirit's bringing you in. And he'll bring you in. And then you can receive the Holy Spirit fullness in your life. You say, Pastor, I just don't understand all of that. Hey, listen. I didn't understand it either. I just knew I'd come to a point in my life to where that there was more. And I was crying out for more. I was calling out for more. Matter of fact, I had set out to prove you didn't speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit came. And on the way to trying to prove that, God spoke to me and said, Son, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'd done been preaching for 11 and a half years pastor in ten of those years when the Lord spoke to me and showed me that. You say, well, you just giving us all of this based on your testimony? Oh, no. I could go on and on and on and on with testimonies all the way down to the Word of God. You say, what about Paul? Paul got filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 9 tells us that. All of these disciples did. Many others, others, others. Latter-day, Billy Graham himself even gave testimony to the fact that he received a new power from God to preach the gospel. Now, folks, D.L. Moody, on and on, Charles Finney, John Wesley, the start of the Methodist Church, talked about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He even talked about speaking in a prayer language. Billy Sunday testified to the same thing. Now, if these people say, well, they were all preachers. No, yeah, but they were all people like you and I. They all had a need in their life. And the need that they had was not just so they could preach and and demonstrate better, but the need that they had was so that they could live a life full of its potential to Almighty God. This morning, if you would desire,